You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Welcome to session one of the Village Gate on the Gospel uh, by the Village Church. My name is Scott O'Donohue. I'm one of the pastors of the Village. My and name is Michael Graham. I'm one of the pastors as well. And Matt Tucker here as well, <laughs> one of the pastors of the Village Church as well. <laughs> We're all pastors. There uh, We're all on staff le- here. At least for now, yeah. at the time of recording this. So True. Um, we wanted to uh, accompany um, our Village Gate content that we use for membership, uh, as well as just for folks who want to get to know uh, more of us with some audio, just hearing us discuss and talk through some of the content that's in the written booklet uh, that we have put together um, that's available on our website uh, and elsewhere. And so today uh, we wanted to walk through kind of that first section, which um, as the title implies is about the gospel. Uh, So we'll chat through that for a few minutes. And uh, before we do that, we wanted to uh, just chat for a second about um, our story and who we are as a church, kind of where we came from, all that stuff. And so you guys want to speak for just a moment about uh, kind of who we are as the village and uh, mission, where we came from, that sort of thing. Yeah, sounds good. Um, really fun to actually kind of share this because, you know, I think maybe we assume being here from the beginning that most of us know it. But I think the more we get into the church, probably maybe people don't remember it. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to talk about it. Um, we would say in general that we are a church formed by the gospel. We are a community formed by the gospel, sent on God's mission. And um, the reason why that's important is because we, we came from Lebanon, from Trenton, all over. And what brought us together was this common desire to, to plant a church that, that planted other churches. And there's a ton that we could say about that right now. We partner with Acts 29, and um, they are all about healthy churches planting other healthy churches and so, man, our mission, we say this every Sunday, right, mm-hmm. from, the, from the stage, is, yeah. is to, to love, to live and to move, to love the Lord, um, to love our neighbor, to live in light of the scriptures, and to move to engage our, engage our culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, man, that fleshes out in tons of different ways, but maybe I'll just pause there and let someone else jump in so I don't call <clears throat> the whole thing. Yeah, I love that. And that is true. We were a community form of the gospel sent on God's mission. Uh, when we planted the village 10-plus years ago, our language was not as refined. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the spiel that we would hear every week when, you know, um, me or Scott or whoever else was up mm-hmm. there talking, uh, one, there wasn't really a spiel that sounded <laughs> like it does uh, yeah. today. But like, so that's been the beauty of us desiring to be a community. Uh, whatever language you attach to that, that is formed by the gospel, that's built on the finished work of Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and we know that truth um, by seeking and, and, and uh, searching the scriptures, and, and those scriptures search our hearts. And so, like, just seeing that come to birth, you know, we were a handful of people, 17 adults gotten into a room, and we kind of cast vision for what that would look like. And the reality was none of us, I think I can safely say none of us that were a part of those initial early pre-launch, pre-church stuff, knew what it looked like to be mm-hmm. the community that we are today. Mm-hmm. But we had ambition and and passion and just loads of gifts in, in a myriad of ways and and um, just a desire to, to be the church and not just 
go to a church that drains mm-hmm. life from us, but be the church that, that builds us up for life, and, and that's through the work um, of Jesus. And so that's where we started, and we stumbled into that, and we didn't know what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we say jokingly, but truthfully, like, we still don't know what we're doing, but we're figuring it out, and, and we know who we are a little better now, and uh, that's really a reflection of, of what you hear. Every time you gather with the village, that little spiel, each of those words, uh, man, we could talk about for, for an hour, mm-hmm. and, um, and so, yeah, I don't know, Scott, you say that every week, you know, where, where does that meet you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think one of the, the two big ways of explaining how we do that or what that looks like for our church, all those things, is uh, we talk about gathering and scattering. Um, but again, part of the things we say every single week, um, to the point where folks call me the gather and scatter pastor, cause they're not sure what else I happen to do, but they know I say that all the time. So, um, but I mean, yeah, we, we, we literally gather together so that we can build each other up as disciples so that we can then scatter out, uh, to wherever we happen to find ourselves throughout the week, um, as more faithful and effective servants and missionaries of Jesus. That's what we say every week. And mm-hmm. that's true. Um, it's true about us. And so we've never been a church that, is like really built on events or busy schedules or anything like that. We have, we value gathering together on Sundays, gathering together in community groups um, so that we can be together as the church, but we don't want to spend all week together as the church yeah. because we also have a mission to make a mature and multiply disciples. And while we certainly get to do that while we're together, part of the, the making disciples piece is also being out amongst our neighbors or mm-hmm. uh, just having space to uh, to hang out with coworkers or um, when we're at school, like engage with classmates and all those things. So we definitely, we don't think that like God only moves mm-hmm. in these special events or when we're inside, you know, certain buildings or at certain things, but he's constantly on the move and in the very ordinary parts of life as well. So yeah, we gather, but we also think it's just as important for us as a church to, to scatter. Um, and for us, the village, we've always been gathering on Sundays in downtown Hamilton. Like that's yeah. sort of been our identity from the beginning. We started, my first Sunday was the very first Sunday, like public mm-hmm. Sunday launch or whatever at the YMCA uh, here in downtown Hamilton, the Central Y. Um, and we were there for, I don't know, a year and a half or so. And then we moved down the street from where we are right now uh, on uh, South Second Street uh, to the 333, mm-hmm. which was an old Moose Lodge. <laughs> uh, we occupied the basement of that. Um, and then uh, about nine months later, another place bought that building. So then we moved to where we are currently as of recording this, the 210, uh, 210 South Second Street, just a block away, again, in a basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just sort of been our, I mean, it's funny, like setting up and tearing down a gym and then being in a basement, like we've not really drawn people from big signs or <laughs> whatever out front. It's just, here we are. We're literally yeah. an underground church. It's kind of been our story for, <laughs> for, uh, 10 years. So yeah. that's true. Well, one quick, just kind of note, and, and you'll see this if you're looking at guide stuff, um, that kind of supplements this, this talk, but like we say, we are Christian, evangelical, missional, and reformed. And again, all those things are loaded and mean lots of different things. And really that's just a simple way when someone says, uh, you know, when, when someone asks, oh, what your church is about, like, I always start like, uh, like well, it's about Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, so you're a Christian. And then, like, you know, what, what yeah. level of nuance are you looking for? Whatever. And so Christian evangelical, which, again, right now, uh, loaded, lots of stuff around that. Yeah. But, you know, um, missional, which means that we seek to not just be uh, a come-and-see church, but, man, we, we want to be, as you said, Scott, mm-hmm. sent out into mm-hmm. our neighborhoods and into the lives of our neighbors. 
and we are reformed. And again, you know, that may not mean anything to you, but in simple terms, we're saved by faith alone and uh, or saved by grace alone through faith alone uh, and Christ alone according to the scriptures alone for God's glory alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, there's a lot in all of those things, but those are really important tenets of kind of yeah. what we're about. No, that's yeah. great. Cool. So, uh, as regards the the topic of this particular um, session on the gospel, uh, we should probably start by just defining what the gospel is. Um, when do you guys want to just start to unpack that, and we can just talk about it a little bit more? I mean, I think yeah, we could talk forever about it, but to define it simplistically for this purpose, first of all, let me just where it came from. I know Scott, you had like a teaching on it maybe last year on that, but basically, just read the first section of this. The word gospel means good news or glad tidings. And this actually is kind of an ancient word. Um, military forces would use it, and when they conquer something, they would kind of send back the news or the results, and that would be to the people, like the gospel, that would be um, really big because that determined then or defined how they lived or what their future would be like, kind of the, the shape of their nation, whether they are free, whether they have peace, whether they're in bondage. And then Jesus kind of used that language to, to kind of help us to understand what his kingdom would look like for us. And so when he talks about the gospel to us, Jesus Christ is bringing and already has brought a kingdom to this world that, that we are invited into. And then that has a certain sort of parameters around it. There are, there are guidelines and there is freedom and there are things that he wants us to live like because the gospel has come through Jesus Christ. And so mm-hmm. um, just to read a little bit more, Jesus brought the language. Um, he's bringing good news to the kingdom of God. And he knew it was coming because he would be the one that triumphed over the enemies of Satan and sin and death. So his enemies are not warring people, flesh and blood, but the enemies that his kingdom is conquering is Satan, sin and death. And that's yeah, that's good news for us. It's good. Yeah, I know uh, I and many of us probably overcomplicate <laughs> very easily. What is the gospel? Well, da, da, da. you start talking about things that, that are true. But um, I, I know Ray Ortland, he's, he said once, like, the, the gospel is the, the news that God saves sinners. Mm-hmm. And if we okay, mm-hmm. we start there, yep. then it's like, okay, it's it's news. And we say that the gospel is news um, to be heard and embraced and proclaimed, not advice. Mm-hmm. That's a really important thing. Um, but, I mean, I, would, I, I think today maybe, ask me tomorrow, it might sound different. But, like, in summary of what Matt is saying, it's, it's the news of a victorious king... Um, rescuing and, and redeeming a kingdom for his glory and for our flourishing. Mm-hmm. And so, man, in, in that, we, we'll get into that, but like, um, it is primarily news. Mm-hmm. News of something that's already been done. Yeah, um, That's what I would want to hammer home because that in, is, is in stark contrast to uh, the world and, and even the, the Christian world subculture in, in our context would tell you that it's something that you have to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. One of the, if you're looking at the guide, another way that we often kind of summarize the gospel is by saying that God is holy, man is sinful, and Jesus is sufficient. And so, again, to kind of think through um, this in terms of like, you know, uh, God winning a war or Jesus having some sort of victory, man, God is perfect. Um, he is holy. There is absolutely nothing wrong with him. He is good and everything. And he created us to be good and perfect too and everything that. Everything that uh, is was created um, that way, but because of um, our rebellion, our sin, um, we actually became the enemy. <laughs> we, we're, the, we're the bad guys uh, in the story because of sin. So what Jesus does, though, is he, 
he actually comes. He, he God from the very beginning sets mm-hmm. out this plan to redeem and rescue his people, not to just destroy us, not to you know mm-hmm. flick us off the face of the earth, but he wants to redeem us, to rescue us. Um, and ultimately that culminates in Jesus who um, he doesn't just conquer the, the enemy of sin and Satan and death. He does that, but he also dies for us who are also his enemies, um, which is you know, crazier than mm-hmm. most uh, superhero stories or any fairy tales that we hear. Um, usually the, the hero doesn't die for the bad guy. Um, but in this in this sense, like he does, he dies for us as the bad guys to make us uh, part of his family again. And so, um, yeah, Jesus is victorious over the enemies of, of Satan, sin, and death. Um, and yet he rescues mm-hmm. us who once were rebels, but now we get to be sons and daughters of the king. So that's, that's pretty that's, good news. You know? That's really good news. And for us, we would say that, and we have said it, but th- this gospel, it, it, there's, it's all been done. Mm-hmm. Jesus did all of it. But how we engage with it is that it's not just information to know, but it's it's news to believe. Mm-hmm. And and that's we'll talk about this more, but it, it's not just for conversion, but it's for all of our life. And so right. it's, it's just good. And I think it sounds so simple. And at the same time, you spend your whole life trying to unpack all of the implications of it throughout all of your life. Yeah, for sure. I'll just add one more thing when we talk about it's all about Jesus and what he has done, like specifically, and these are a few things, his life that he lived was was sinless, as you mm-hmm. said, and, and, and perfect, so so that he might give us righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of exchanges along the way. Um, his death, uh, he was not a sinner, but he died as a sinner, uh, bearing mm-hmm. our, our sin. Um, his resurrection proved one that what he said was true which is kind of a big deal Mm -hmm. historically but two it it defeated death and it showed that he actually did come Mm -hmm. to overcome the world and then as he ascended it established his rule and reign even here and now Mm -hmm. as we are then uh, purchased citizens of his kingdom and so we have a part to play now. Well, uh, I guess, but that gets into the next question. Though. Yeah, well, go ahead. Please, go ahead and speak to it. Do yeah. we have a part to play in the gospel? Yeah, yeah. what is our well, participation? Well, so, so as we are rescued um, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, then we get to we get to be kingdom builders. Mm-hmm. And that's what the church is today. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, uh, yeah. So, so we get to join uh, the kingdom of God as citizens of of his kingdom primarily, so he is our primary allegiance, and and yeah, we can be American or Guatemalan or you know any other uh, Canadian, whatever. But our primary allegiance is to this king and his kingdom, mm-hmm. and so we get to reflect his character and his nature and his mm-hmm. glory. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we invite others, we proclaim that that good news, so that we might grow the kingdom, and then we continue to believe, as mm-hmm. you said, Matt, believe the, those truths that shape us for his glory and. And so when we sin, we uh, we don't reflect his his reign, um, and and so we get to repent and believe and, mm-hmm. and come back to that and live in light of his uh, his glory and his goodness. So. Yeah, cool. Um, <clears throat> there's a quote that uh, there are several quotes. There's scriptures and there's quotes and stuff in the booklet. Um, there's one in particular uh, from John Stott that's on the right side if you're looking at the. The booklet and it's um it's this it says that uh, man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be. Man claims prerogatives which belong to God alone, and God accepts penalties which belong to man alone. That speaks to that great exchange that mm-hmm. Michael uh, spoke to there. And so, yeah, I mean we are 
uh, we are saved in spite of who we are, um, right? Not because of who we are in grace. Uh, salvation is a gift. It's a grace that we don't deserve, and we just get to receive it. Um, but, man, we do have a part to play, like you said, in terms of we get to believe, we get to mm-hmm. repent and respond, and then, man, like as new creations, live differently, yep. you know, for his glory. So, um, so where does God fit? Obviously, like we, we kind of already hit on, you know, God creating... He created everything good, right? And then things went sour. Um, like, how does all of this fit, the, the gospel fit into God's, like, plans for for us, for, for life, for whatever? Where does it fit? I think what's interesting is that, you know, we would say the gospel is the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. But what's amazing is that God had this plan before the foundation of the world to, to rescue all of creation through that specific plan. So the gospel is in a sense, much bigger. It was a plan from the beginning of time on, yeah. even though we would say it's largely the 33 years that Jesus lived because mm-hmm. that's when he started it. That's when he lived his perfect life and, and died that death. And so we get to see from the beginning of the Bible all the way through how God is working the gospel into stories, how God is redeeming his people, Israel, how he uses Israel to go through the rest of the Bible to then be a light to the rest of the nations. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately when he comes in the New Testament, he is the, the most vivid picture. He is that yeah. of the gospel. And so maybe another way to say kind of the story of the Bible, and I'm hoping I'm not rushing ahead, but I'll just no, kind of jump into that, is like the, the gospel is the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus, but in its fullest form, it's, it's creation. From the beginning, we see God interacting with people, and we see sin, and we see this rescue plan even start in Genesis 3. And as creation is when God created everything and he made his creation good. There, were, there was no sin at this time, and God walked perfectly with Adam and Eve. There was no um, distinction in terms of, there's no sin separating mm-hmm. those things. And there's perfect relationship between God and his people. And then, as we talked about in Genesis 3, sin broke all of that. When, when we um, believed that there was something more satisfying than our relationship with God, that broke everything apart. And kind of the rest of the, the story of the Bible um, leads us to hope that Jesus will one day restore us, bring redemption through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then we're not there yet, but the final piece of this whole masterpiece, we see it kind of hinted to in Revelation and other parts, is that one day the gospel will heal and restore all things, and we call that kind of the new creation. So the four parts would be like creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. The gospel kind of leads us through all those and brings us to that at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And honestly, that um, uh, narrative really seeing the story of God in the scriptures cover to cover, it changed my life. It Hmm. changed the way that I saw, you know, the good news is God saves sinners, which is great. And that's true. And and I'm chief, you know, and and that's, that's what we see. And and all have fallen and all those things. And in the Easter, you know, that that you might have heard, you you read an Easter card or you showed up to a church on Easter Mm -hmm. And you see Jesus on the cross, but not knowing where that fits mm-hmm. was, and, and I say this all the time, like I'm a big picture guy. And so if I, if I see the little parts, but I can't see where they fit, like I, I just struggle with that because mm-hmm. I'm always trying to piece the bigger thing together. So for me, seeing cover to cover, that it's about God with his people in a garden and his glory and them flourishing. Mm-hmm. And then that's the same thing that we see in the very end of things. And we're living now in between those those bookends and in between the cover, and, and it's tough, and there's tension, and there's this already not yet, and, and all these things. But God created everything that was good. 
and the fall came through sin, and, and then sin, you know, trickled down into the hearts of all men, including mm-hmm. myself. Where does the gospel fit? It is that redemption piece. And, and like mm-hmm. you said, Matt, God had always been writing this story. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like, hmm, what next? You know, <laughs> but but seeing where Jesus fits is that that third piece, mm-hmm. that third act. Uh, and there's other parts in there that we're leaving out, but the redemption, the restoration piece that God came to like give a bottom to the despair. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, then there is hope and, and there are things that have been done. There are things that uh, that will be done, but ultimately we are then on, on the trajectory to be with God and be his people again. Mm-hmm. And that, that changes everything. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's, uh, I think for, for me, and I think many people, uh, we've heard or just had in our heads from pop culture or maybe even from the church that, you know, like when you die, your end is simply floating around mm-hmm. somewhere up in the clouds with a heart or whatever. I don't know, like yeah. disembodied, <laughs> just, we don't even know what that's like or whatever, um, in heaven and, and learning that, that like this story, creation, fall, redemption, new creation, uh, like it, it it starts with a, a beginning and then it ends with a new beginning. It yeah. doesn't really end again, yeah. but it it's a full circle coming back around, uh, which is where we see the resurrection takes on even more meaning. It's not just this cool magic trick that God did to say that Jesus was like yeah. some great guy, but no, Jesus is actually in his resurrection showing us what we all get to partake in um, if we believe in him. Uh, because one day he's going to not just, you know, Hey, when we die, take our spirits up with him. But he's going to raise our our bodies from mm-hmm. from the dead. Yeah. We'll be given new bodies. He's going to remake the earth, and heaven and earth will be reconciled. And so, like, man, our end state is not you know this like disembodied thing, but it's it's yeah. literally it's going to look a whole lot more like Genesis one um, than it does you know probably what we've seen in cartoons and yeah. you know and everything else. Yeah. Like it's it's going to be fleshly, tangible. You know, uh, it's it's going to be heaven and earth reconciled, which is just really cool. When you say it that way, what my mind is drawn to is is we see that God gave Adam explicit, like, gosh, you know, uh, guard and and, and uh, toil that you know over the garden and and guard and keep it, and and so Adam's job in the garden was that creation might flourish. Mm-hmm. They would name it, that he would identify it, and that he would that he would rule and reign under God's rule and reign. Uh, to bring glory to God, and and then when you say, well, okay, so there was a, there was a reset, and that reset was the cross and the resurrection, and then then it's going towards another end. Then it 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 changes also those who are saved, mm-hmm. who repent and believe and trust mm-hmm. Him for salvation, forgiveness of sin. Then then we're brought into His family, and we get to do the same thing. We get to build towards that end, right. and and it doesn't mean that okay, we're saved and we wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we wait until all things. No, we save, and then that changes the way that we move to engage our culture with the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. Right. Um, because then we get to do the same thing. We get to guard and, and point to God's glory and, and advance good and all those things um, because that's a bigger part of, or we're playing a part that's that's much bigger than than just saved and waiting. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think also the gospel is an explanation and answer to what's really happening in our world. Some people might believe that, oh, we're all good or whatever. And But when we look at the gospel, it tells us of our sin. And we'll get to this a little bit more in a second. But when we look at our culture today, like we see brokenness out there. Mm-hmm. And it, it literally talks about the brokenness that we see, but also gives us the hope then. Because, gosh, if we didn't have this hope, how sad would it be that this is all there is? Yeah. Or like 
we'll, we'll try harder, but the gospel gives us the, the power of Jesus to not, you know, it doesn't change everything this moment, but it gives us hope that there, there is life after this, that, that we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be a force of change. And it's not just this brokenness forever, mm-hmm. but it's like he, he allows us to have this hope. Because I just cannot imagine even looking at our culture today with racist stuff and just brokenness with even like health things mm-hmm. going on. Like how sad is that? But it, it speaks to every part of that. Yeah. And it, it's, it's life-giving. Absolutely. So uh, kind of hit on the big picture of things. Like we kind of zoom in a little bit. How does the gospel actually save us? Like what does it do um, for us in our lives? Can you guys speak to that? Oh man, uh, we're all lawbreakers, and and we're in covenant with the Lord if, if we're His, um, or I guess even if we're not, we're lawbreakers, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so that brings about a punitive punishment, mm, and that punishment. I mean, and and there is a ton of courtroom language when you when you read these things. I mean, Romans is is flowery and, and all kinds of stuff, and. If you've ever heard of like the Romans road to salvation, you'll hear a lot of these things that come out and, uh, you know, we're all sinners and, and the wages of sin is death and, and all these things. But, but the reality is we are all sinners and the wages of sin yeah. is death. And so what that means is what you've earned, the punishment that you've earned is death and, and, uh, separation from God and, and all those things. And so that's where we stand. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no hope. There is no morality that, that can be formed into a ladder mm-hmm. to climb into the heavens. And people have asked this from the scriptures, what must I do to be saved? Uh, and we still ask it today, and it might not sound like that, um, but we might make assumption that, like, mm-hmm. I'm a good guy. I mean, mm-hmm. my neighbor, he's terrible, but look at me. And yeah. uh, certainly God would let me, but but all those things are just made up things. So we get to look at the scriptures, and the scripture says we're all lawbreakers. We've all broken the law, and, and we all deserve God's wrath um, for living as if he isn't. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We trade yeah. truth for a lie. And so um, what the, the gospel, this is a little bit of a theological, technical language, but it, it justifies us. And what that means is it allows us to stand before God um, acquitted, which is, that is good news. Yeah. If there was ever good news, nothing you could do could, could get you to that place. But, um, but the gospel, when we repent, when we acknowledge God, when we acknowledge our own sin, and we trust that He's the only way, um, that we get his righteousness individually. Um, and so you can talk about church stuff and, and, and group stuff, but individually we must repent and believe, trust him, that he gives us righteousness that we don't have, or he calls us righteous. Mm-hmm. So then the judge, the Lord, would, would hit his gavel and he would say, acquitted, mm-hmm. or, or in the language of the scriptures, you know, in the end of our days, welcome in, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. You're not good and faithful. You're yeah. not. And, yeah. and so on. if the Lord asks you, on what account should I let you in, and you start giving him a resume of all the, the good things you've done, then uh, that's, that's not looking good for you. Um, because he, he does keep a list of your sins. And, mm-hmm. and those things keep you from the list of eternal life. But in Christ, he invites us in, and, and we are justified in a moment by faith. And he calls us, or, or at least... When he looks at us, despite all the rebellion we've had in our heart and in our hands, he sees the the resume of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is perfect and righteous. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. good thing. I think it's important just to emphasize that in a moment that happens like when you believe the gospel, 
uh, then you are mm-hmm. justified. You get yeah. to stand before God um, at peace with him and, and in righteousness. It's not something that you earn over time or that you can lose after you get it mm-hmm. uh, because it's not based on what you did. Yeah. It's based on what Jesus did and what Jesus did is done. <laughs> yeah. uh, that can't go away. So, uh, man, when we believe the gospel, we are justified in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is sure and secure, you know, forever. So, like, that's a, that is also good news. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's, that's huge. Because if it was up to us and we could believe it and then we, like, walk, then this perpetual insecurity and, yeah. well, shoot, am I believing enough now? What about that thing I did yesterday? What about, you know, like, just perpetual insecurity? It's like, no, our, our focus is not on what we do, yep. our, our focus is on what Christ has done for us. Because of that, we get to lead uh, changed mm-hmm. lives. And maybe that's where we can talk about sanctification. Can one of you guys talk about that? Yeah, sanctification kind of, well, it does come after we have believed the gospel. We are justified. Then the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And it's not that at the point of conversion, then all of a sudden we, we never sin again. But what's amazing is that we have, the, we have power over sin. Through, through the through work of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so before that, I think we would say that we have, apart from Christ, no power over sin. And, and by God's grace, when we come to know him, then we do have power to, to live in a way that honors God. And, and over time, the goal of sanctification is to have our lives kind of look a little bit more each day um, like the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're going to struggle. We're never going to fully be there in this life. In terms of we're never not going to sin again, but but by God's grace, hopefully each day we will believe the gospel a little bit more. We will say, ah, this this thing that got me yesterday, by God's grace, I, I believe in the work of Jesus. And he is shaping me to, to hate what's wrong, to love what's right, and over time to reflect Jesus a little bit more accurately each day. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's great. Yeah, we're being conformed. Mm-hmm. That's what the scriptures mm-hmm. say. We're being conformed. To the image of of God, and and really, um, you you said that's a matter of belief. Mm-hmm. That is the beauty, and and really, that's the distinction between a what we'd say like a gospel centered, a gospel formed community, uh, or a gospel centered church, and a uh, any other centered church. And the yeah. difference is in the way that uh, that preachers preach, and the way that counselors counsel, and the mm-hmm. way that friends are friends. All those things. It's is it a, a man-centered hope, or is it in my sin, I sinned because in that moment, I didn't believe? Mm-hmm. And, and like, okay, then, then we're restored back to belief. And I think uh, I'm going to read this quote because it's just so good on the idea of sanctification. Um, it's by Mark Driscoll, for better or worse, sinner, saint, uh, identity versus activity. It is important to note that while in Christ we're genuinely new, we're not completely new until our resurrection. As uh, one theologian says, believers should see themselves and each other as persons who are genuinely new, though not yet totally new. Mm-hmm. This explains why Christians aren't without sin. And he quotes John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. A saint, which is what the Bible calls all Christians, mm-hmm. uh, not just Mother Teresa, yeah. uh, a saint does sin, but a Christian is one who has saint as their constant identity and sinner as their occasional activity. And he goes on, he says, sin may explain some of your activity, but it's not your identity. Your identity is in Christ, and because of your new identity, by God's grace through the Holy Spirit's power, 
you can change your activity. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you are a new person positionally in Christ, you can live a new life practically by the power of the Holy Spirit. This truth is deeply helpful and vitally practical. And so there, there is a ton of language in there to, to flesh out. But that whole identity piece, you'll hear us say that stuff all the time. Our identity is Christ, mm-hmm. but that doesn't uh, always show up in our activity. Yeah. An analogy, illustration I use is like with my kids. Um, so when it comes to justification and sanctification, so like, man, uh, my kids, they mess up. They're little, they're young. Um, and so we, we remind them all the time when they get in trouble, we have to give them a time out or whatever, you know, like, Hey, uh, like how much do mommy and daddy love you? Not so much. Why do mommy and daddy love you? Uh, well, they'll automatically say, oh, because, because I'm your son or, or I'm your daughter. Not because we did good, not, not because we make the right choices. That doesn't does it change when you know you do something yeah. bad? Nope. Um, and so that's justification. Like that is like our relationship doesn't change because you are my son and or you are my daughter and I'm your dad and that will always be true. And so that that will never change. However, I also hope that my like almost four year olds, I hope they mature a little bit. <laughs> I hope they stop throwing cars at you know other people and stuff as they get older. So like, man, there's that desire for maturity and, and hopefully I'm a little bit more mature than they are and hopefully they grow up to become like me in those ways. And so that's like maybe a, an illustration for justification, sanctification, that like the relationship, the status of the relationship never ever changes. That's justification. But hopefully over time, there's some growth and change yeah. to become more like the father. And then that leads to uh, theologically now talking about a relationship with the Lord, something that you know none of us mm-hmm. earthly dads can do, but glorification and all three of these things are words that we see in Scripture. They're they're big words. You will not use in common everyday conversation with your neighbor at the grocery store. How dare you? Uh, but justification, sanctification, glorification. These are words that we see um, in the in the Scriptures. And glorification is is essentially like, hey, we're not just uh, we're not just freed from the wages of sin. We're not just free from the power of sin mm-hmm. and the way that we live our life. But we will be free from sin entirely. So. Like at the resurrection, the last day when Jesus shows up again to set all things right, we'll be given, you know, our new bodies and everything like that. And like, they'll just, there will be no more sin. Like yeah. God, Jesus will banish sin and suffering and all evil from all of creation. And so the, the relationships that you have with people that are, um, you know, stricken with strife and tension and all sorts of things, and you're constantly comparing yourself to other people and anxiety and all sorts of other things and the fact that your body wears down and you stub your toe on stuff, you know, like whatever, like those things will be no more um, in in the new heavens and the new earth. And so we will be perfectly glorified. Sin will not stain our relationship with other people, with creation or with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so there'll be this just openness and transparency and seeing each other face to face and enjoying each other uh, and the Lord in ways that we just really honestly can't even fathom and imagine right now. So those are kind of the three big uh, buckets of of the way that we experience um, salvation or and will experience salvation in life so in the beginning of Ephesians 2 which is really what I use to share the gospel with someone if we're opening up the Bible mm-hmm. and saying this is it because we see all those components and so uh, if you've not then hang out there the mm-hmm. first half of mm-hmm. Ephesians 2 kind of speaks to all those things in real explicit terms so. absolutely so when it comes to like day-to-day living, um, man, how does the gospel actually change the way that we live on a on a daily basis? How can it shape us today? Uh, that's a great question, Scott. <laughs> um, 
I Next. will give an example. Um, I remember being married probably for four or five years in my kitchen with my wife. Uh, we had been listening to a, a, some certain music that like was preaching truth that I didn't know that I needed at the time. Mm. And it was just talking about the depth of our sin, and in our context, that was like, ah, that was uncomfortable because that's we're like, no, you mm-hmm. you uh, you flee from it or you you hide it at best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, and he said he quoted some others like, if your sin is small, then your savior's small. And I'm like, hold on, wait. If your sin is, and he declared like, man, it would be it would be the best thing for you that that your sin would be broadcast on the 5 o'clock news. And I'm like, that sounds like <laughs> that would not be the best thing for me. Yeah. But he really like um, creeped in some rich theological truths that really was the, the basis of, like you said with your kids, a grace-based relationship. It changed mine and Kim's marriage. And that we, we began to not no longer, and it wasn't terrible, but no longer be against one another. Mm-hmm. But gosh... Acknowledging my own fault, mm-hmm. like when when we acknowledge mm-hmm. that we're all sinners, it changes the way that we judge others. Mm-hmm. It changes the way that we we rebuke others. It changes the way that we speak truth in love to others. Because, gosh, I'm I too once walked in darkness, mm-hmm. but but this marvelous light has brought me up, you know. And so, because uh, our salvation is completely the work of Christ, man, that I'm drawn to like. See my sin first, and that mm. changes the way that I think about everything. And so there's this little chart on there. If you're if you're looking at the guide, uh, say each of us has pr- have probably drawn this on a napkin or a marker board uh, a couple thousand times in our life. I literally used it this morning. Yeah, I okay. screen shared it on Zoom. Too. Well, I mean, what did you? Want, you why don't you talk? <laughs> no, about, go mean, for it. You, go. go for it. No, I mean, just the idea that uh, again, like this this chart. If you're able to see it, um, you know, there is a point in time in which you believe in Jesus. And at that point, that is that's justification, right? Like your your relationship with the Lord is cemented. You are son, you are daughter mm-hmm. of the King. And then as time goes on, um, uh, essentially, it's not as if you need Jesus the most as soon as you meet Him, and then your need for Him gets less as time goes on. Your need for Him is always the same, but as time goes on, like your the way that you perceive and understand just how really big and good and holy God is, that gets bigger. And so does your understanding of how deep the root of sin actually goes. And so um, the what you use to make up the gap in that as time goes on makes all the difference, you know? And I, I think all of us, everybody walks around, I think, understanding that there is some moral gap (laughs) between Mm -hmm. the way they live and how they should live. And most people fill it in with pretending that they're better Mm -hmm. than they are, putting on a performance for people or, uh, or lowering the bar of what's actually good and right. And they think they're the standard or what they believe is the right thing. Um, or they just despair and say, I'm just never going to be good enough. And, uh, you know, whatever that might be. But for us as Christians, like we get to, we get to behold how good God is and even learn more and more about him over time. And we get to behold, man, just how mm-hmm. sin is just deeply rooted in our lives. And, and we get to look at Jesus at the cross as the thing that makes up that gap for us, that fills in that gap. So that therefore, as time goes on, um, man, we get to appreciate um, and love and, and thank God more and more and more for Jesus. We get to mm-hmm. appreciate him and worship him more for that as time goes on. It's, it's not the opposite where your need 
uh, for Jesus gets smaller over time. Um, it doesn't get bigger over time either, but your perceived need and just how big that gap is, it gets bigger. Um, and so that, that has implications for you know just discipleship. And yeah. when you wake up one morning and you're like, dude, I just feel crummy. I don't want to do this. Or um, you just you mess up. Like you just sinned against a coworker or whatever. Um, you've just been a, a, a booger. Like you've had a horrible <laughs> attitude or whatever. Uh, you've neglected reading your Bible for the longest time. Or like whatever it happens to be. Um, man, I, I think what the enemy loves to do, what our flesh and sin loves to do is then like heap guilt and shame mm-hmm. on top of that stuff, which actually says, no, no, no. Like you got to clean yourself up before you come back to the Lord and, and act as yeah. if you're okay to stand here. Well, what, what the gospel tells us is no, like we are free to come back to him at any point mm-hmm. in time because our relationship is still secure in Christ. And because when we come back and look at him, um, we get to behold the cross, mm-hmm. not just condemnation because God's so holy and we're not, but we get to see grace. Like that's what gets to meet us there. So you guys have anything else to flesh out in that? Or? I think going back to kind of tying some of that stuff together, man, like for me, there's a huge like flip on the light switch moment. My, like my first year, part of the village and thought like, just the gospel is just for salvation, just for conversion. Right. Not seeing Scott, what you just built out, how it's so valuable for every day. Right. And and when I realized how the gospel actually affects my finances, how like man, God has been mm-hmm. generous to me, so I then get to. It's it's not I'm I'm trying to be generous so that God will love me. Yes. But it's because the cross is so big because of the immense way that God rescued us and, and lavished his love on us out of that, we get to then live our lives mm-hmm. on display for others, trying to model that as well. Understanding the whole time that gosh, we can't, that God in us can. Yeah. That's good. You said you fill in that gap with something between, you know, between the, your, your debt and mm-hmm. God's holiness or your sinfulness and, and, and God's holiness. Um, I, in, in the book, the gospel centered life where that, cross chart originates and it kind of teases out. He talks about pretending and performing. Mm-hmm. And really that is, that's the slavery of trying to live a life in Christ without Christ. Yeah. <laughs> or without the good news. And so yeah. it's, if, if you believe something that sounds like this, well, you know, uh, our job is to be holy and, and Jesus helps us do that. Well, that that's true. <laughs> But, but yeah. if that's your attempt to please God, then that gap will be uh, indefinite. And, and so what you will do is you will pretend mm-hmm. that you have it together. You will pretend that you're living righteous. You will, you will perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will do all the things. And you, I mean, that's what the Pharisees, they were just performers mm-hmm. trying to do all the things with a heart that was far from the Lord. And so yeah. that is, in my opinion, uh, just the worst life you can live. Yeah. Um, and if joy is part of the goal of the Christian mm-hmm. life, or, or certainly part of the fruit of it, uh, it will be it will be few and far between, if, if ever at all, because yeah. you will never be good enough. Yeah. But when you know when you discover the depth of your sinfulness, and that keeps getting, yeah, you you get increasingly aware as you search the scriptures, and as the Spirit searches your heart, you're drawn to despair. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, gosh, the debt is too big, or the cross and God's grace on the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and that despair then turns to delight. Yeah. That's the essence of a life built on the, the true living hope that is mm-hmm. Christ. Absolutely. But part of my story, like the way I explained, kind of my switch moment um, was seeing Jesus, I think, all growing up as my example 
Mm-hmm. Like he was my example first and foremost. And then when I finally understood the gospel, I understood that he was first and foremost my substitute. Mm-hmm. He was my savior. So like he wasn't just the bar that I had to reach because if that's the case, then man, like I'm always going to fall short. And yeah, there was no security, no no assurance at all in any of that stuff. But when I understood that, no, Jesus is first and foremost my my substitutionary savior, um, then that changed everything. And then that, that allowed him also being my example to be like a freeing thing. I get to grow up like to be like Jesus. I get to grow up to be like my dad. Um, and I don't have to pursue that or whatever, like out of need or threat or fear, but out of like, man, who wouldn't want to be like yep. this? You know, um, like you were saying with your finances and everything mm-hmm. else, like, man, we want to be generous because mm-hmm. our, our father's been generous. Yeah. And so like we get to do that. Um, so we're going to end this, uh, this section uh, on the gospel, uh, maybe in a weird way by talking about uh, what's not the gospel. <laughs> um, some false gospels or some distortions or twisting of the gospel that uh, that I think are important to point out. But maybe before we talk about maybe just a few of those examples, why is it important to even talk about like false gospels in the first place? Like why is that something we should even kick around together or be aware of? Because they're everywhere. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. because every social media post and every conversation with your neighbor and every... Hmm. I mean, just everything that you you interact with, every lie that you believe mm-hmm. uh, yeah. internally, Satan tries to trip us and dupe us, and 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 so um, it's really important to understand that not everything um, that that has the the clothing of Christianity mm-hmm. is is true, um, and just because mm-hmm. you know uh, someone told them that God said whatever, like that doesn't mean anything, and yeah. so. We get to know uh, undoubtedly what is true, mm-hmm. and and there are many churches, uh, Christians, whatever, who who just proclaim things that are just ex- just not mm-hmm. true. Right. There's so many ways to miss on this. I mean, there are people that will purposely try to distort mm-hmm. the gospel and intentionally try to to bring people away. But there's also God, just well-meaning people that maybe just maybe don't know the Bible as well as they should, and yeah. they just kind of draw some conclusions that might not be accurate. And they're not necessarily, quote, bad people, but and they're not trying to, but there's just a miss there in understanding how God works or, or his plan for them. And so gosh, there's so many ways that, that we in our own minds can miss on the gospel. And even I think what's what's almost scary is you can be a, maybe a strong Christian with a well-rounded view of it, but then all of a sudden over time there can be drift as well, mm-hmm. and you start to believe certain things, or you're maybe not a, around people that would sharpen you in right. those areas. And so, like Michael said, it's just so prevalent in every area of our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even for those who, again, uh, to what you're saying, Matt, like folks who like they get the gospel theologically, they could, you know, tangle mm-hmm. in a debate with someone, yeah. you know, over stuff or whatever. But then when you have a brother or sister that's hurting or mm-hmm. that's struggling with sin or just a hard day, like um, then what comes out of your mouth? Like, what are you mm-hmm. sharing? Are you like giving them, are you giving them good news or are you giving yeah. them like uh, good instruction? Yeah. Yeah. You know, are you giving them like advice or what advice isn't bad but as christians like we get to yeah certainly pass on wisdom and uh speak correction all those things but like you know we we want to offer people jesus Mm -hmm. and so if our hope is only you know ah they're there it'll get better or well here's like the top 10 tricks to do whatever like we can we can quickly even though the preaching and the books we read or whatever Mm -hmm. might be gospel centered 
like our counsel, like our yeah. discipleship can be saturated with just sort of self, self-help stuff or yeah. whatever without us really even knowing that, you know? So it's it's important to be mindful of on, on all fronts, yeah. I think. It might be well-meaning. Yes. And you're just saying, ah, it'll get better or Jesus loves you and he'll make it all go away. And, right. and the Bible never promises that, actually. Right? <laughs> right. At least in this life. And yeah, so, yeah, for sure. So uh, there's a few that we have listed on the the uh, booklet and we can talk about other ones if you guys want to or just sit on these three but um, what do you guys want to chat about universalism and what that looks like yeah I guess the big idea is that um, everyone will at one point become a Christian or, or be saved mm-hmm. um, a lot of times like you might hear it in the language of like well we're, we're all God's children or we're all part of God's family or or, or God loves everybody maybe is another way to say that and in in what their intent is that there's not going to be maybe a hell or punishment or a separation or there's not this distinction where God does say, gosh, like believing the gospel is everything. And if you don't, then there are actually really consequences for that. Yeah. Universalism is kind of just like we're all one family. Things will go well and at the end. We'll all come together and maybe there's multiple roads or mm-hmm. something like that. But at the end, we'll all end up at the same spot. Yeah. Right. We all believe the same. Yeah, you yeah. hear that? We all we all basically believe the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the it's the it's the coexist bumper sticker. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's, which yeah, we do get to coexist with people who believe different things, but that doesn't mean that what we believe is all the same yeah. or is like a different uh, a different facet of the same mm-hmm. God or the same religion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, man, Jesus is pretty clear that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes no to the Father to... except through him. Yes. Like, that's a, it's a pretty, even though the gospel is radically inclusive, mm-hmm. like inviting literally anybody and everybody to come become part of God's family, um, it is also radically in, or exclusive because yeah. it is only through Christ that we get to become part of God's family. Yep. Um, and that's just that, that's just the way that mm-hmm. Jesus taught. That's, that's what he taught, and that's what our... Uh, our Christian faith is built around. So yeah. we say the only thing you have to bring to God for salvation is absolutely nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, it, right. that's like a helpful, like, oh gosh, sure, because there's nothing like Christ alone is enough. Yeah, Mike, you know, talk about like salvation by works. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that shows up in uh, in Scott's roots and my roots. Mm-hmm. Scott has some Catholic roots. And so, I mean, whether that's sacraments or any other things that you can do to bring about the righteousness of God mm-hmm. to your life, or I have some uh, hyper-charismatic Pentecostal roots that um, that created a culture that said that, um, man, I just had to be good enough. Mm-hmm. And when I wasn't, in that moment, if the Lord returned, um, well, he then then I wasn't going to be joining him in whatever yeah. he was offering in the new heavens and new earth, and so, uh, and I'm sure that shows up in many other ways. But the short of it is that you can do something to please God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to save yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think this can also show up, man. Even as a Christian today, like sometimes I still feel like this, where if I have a, a bad day or mm-hmm. I, I I sin, then God views me differently. Or has less love for me or less acceptance because of what I have done this day. And though it's probably not exactly the same thing as this, mm-hmm. I think it also plays out like that to where like I view as God. It's because of my work that all of a sudden God views me differently or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the last one that we have on our booklet is uh, the prosperity gospel, um, which you may have heard. It's, it's, I mean, it's been around for 2,000 mm-hmm. years, but I feel like it's gotten a ton of traction yeah. lately and been labeled as such recently. 
in modern history, but it's essentially the idea that, man, like if if you're God's you know son, God's daughter, then uh, then health and wealth and prosperity and all those things will be yours here and now. And so, man, if, if you just had enough faith, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't be sick. Um, or if you just pray hard enough, like you won't get the coronavirus, you know, or like whatever it happens to be, there's just, there's these uh, promises which, which God does make in terms of us being free from suffering and sin and sickness and all those things. Like that's, that's coming, mm-hmm. but that is when he makes all things new. And so it's actually kind of reaching into the future of what God has promised and trying yeah. to bring those blessings and those promises here um, before they've ever arrived. And, and what it does is it, it, it creates like a ton of self-deprecation and doubt and insecurity because if your evidence for either like God's love for you or like the security or strength of your own faith is in how things are going in your mm-hmm. life, um, then that is just, that's shifting sand. And we have to look no further than like the New Testament itself and what happened to the disciples and the apostles and you know, martyrs yeah. and all that stuff to, and Jesus himself to yeah. think, well, gosh, like was their faith not strong <laughs> enough? Because yeah. it seems like they went through a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Yeah. Anything to, to that? Yeah. There's just so much contradiction in sure. the scriptures and in real life that you're yeah. like, when there, there's just false hope. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. I, I love um, R.C. Sproul, uh, a little quote in the, in the book up there. It says, if we distort the gospel, that distortion will influence and affect everything else that we believe in the Christian faith. And, man, this is true for each of those mm-hmm. things, that what you believe to be true, and which is why we, we close on the note of not just what it is, but what it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just love that. Yeah. Cool. Well, that kind of wraps up this first uh, session on the gospel for the Village Gate. Um, there are two other uh, sections. We'll, we'll talk about community. Uh, we'll also talk about mission. Uh, community is the second one. Mission is the third one. So, um yeah, hopefully this one has been helpful, limiting in, in some way for you. If you guys have questions, if you're listening to this and want to learn more, uh, want information, certainly you can go to our website, uh, myvillagechurch.com, but you can also reach out to us. You can send us an email um, at info at myvillagechurch.com. Happy to answer any questions you might have, talk to you about any of this stuff. Um, but yeah, hopefully this has been encouraging. Hopefully talking about the good news has been good news for you. Um, and we're super thankful that you, uh, that you tuned in for this. So thanks for listening. Um, we'll catch you in session two.